0: Fantastic. Everybody doing okay? Enjoying the sunshine? No one? Anyone? If you're enjoying the sunshine, give us a wave. Come on, we live a lot of time in England without sunshine. Let's be happy when the sun begins to shine. And we're just releasing some of our young guys off to their ignition group. And uh, just good to have you with us today. Brilliant. I was away last weekend in in Leeds and we saw a whole bunch of people give their hearts to Jesus, which was amazing and, uh, and just saw God doing something great in a church there called the North up in Leeds, which is in the North. And I heard Gina did a good job last week, bringing the word, speaking about altars and uh, that's great. It's brilliant to see what's going on at the moment with different people going off in different directions. Could we turn this fan off? It's just a little bit loud for me or move it somewhere. That's fantastic. It's brilliant to see what God's doing in different places at the moment, and our prayers are with um, a couple of our ladies that are going around the world. We've got Clarice. Is Clarice here today? I'm not sure if Clarice is around yet. Well, Clarice is leaving shortly to go and uh, work with circuit riders over there in California, and as you know, my oldest daughter, is over there with circuit riders in California and they're just a great soul winning ministry and then also now we've got my daughter Gabby is going off next month to a school of worship in Alabama so we've got our kids going in different directions and let's be careful and conscious to keep them in our prayers it's brilliant that we've got our own young people going out to different places being trained and being used by the Lord fantastic everybody good Excellent. Well, the next three weeks we're going on a journey together, and it's an important journey, um, and we're going to be looking at a subject I think that affects us all in one way or another. Um, if you're looking for notes, we've also got notes today on our app. We did this a few weeks ago, and uh, it worked really well, But if you've got your phone with you and you can go to the family Church app or later on on the website. You go to a section, and I think they're going to put an address up behind me. You go to a section called Blogs and Resources. If you go there, I've written down all of the notes for today and next week. Uh, There'll be notes next week, and the following week there'll be notes there as well. Because we want to take on a subject over the next three weeks that I think every one of us can relate to, and it's about handling our finances um, in a way that is biblical. Um, I'm calling this kingdom economics, all right? So it's going to be a bit of a classroom. Please don't shut off because it's about money. Money's a part of your life. Agreed? If it's not, please share with me the secret of how you live without any. Um, it's a part of our life. And the Bible says that we're to commit all of our ways to the Lord, all of our ways, and include him in all of our ways. So we're going to spend the next three weeks, and it's going to be fantastic, looking at three key aspects of kingdom or biblical economics. Now, why are we doing this? Because I believe it's our responsibility as church leaders to have a biblical response to what some are calling a financial crisis. If you turn on your news, if you turn on the media, you hear economists And you hear people all over the news telling you of a potential financial crisis. We've got to make sure that as people belonging to God, we're approaching this time never in fear, but informed of what the Bible says we can expect from God. Is that good? Now, as you're watching the news and I'm watching the news, it's amazing how fear can be carried on the airwaves, can't it? Now God doesn't want you, remember the Bible says he hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind. Sorry to be a pain, can we turn off this fan as well? It's just um, in my head a little bit there. Or point it, go and put it on somebody's lap or something like that, that would be good. So there's so much potential fear around at the moment concerning what is being termed financial crisis. Like I said, both the media and the economists just a relentless, aren't they, in bringing bleak predictions concerning what people can expect over the next months and even over the next year. We've got to, as the church, compensate what we're hearing from the media with what God thinks about this opinion. Now, I'm sure that you've heard on the news, the same as me, rising fuel costs, interest rates rising inflation rising. These are common words in the media today, uh, along with what else is happening in Westminster as well. Let's just take a moment. Father, we pray for Westminster. We pray for Parliament. We pray for Boris Johnson. We pray for the government of this country. That, Father, you would reposition and you would move things around for your good. Father, as a church, we don't want to be found moaning and accusing, but lifting up our government today, the government of this land. And we pray, Father, that you would raise people up in the courtways and the corridors of Parliament. We pray that you would reposition, Father, according to your will. We pray that godly ways and godly thinking will be in the hearts of those represented in this nation. Lord, we just speak wisdom over the Houses of Parliament today. In Jesus' name, Amen. So as you're looking at news and that, we've got to understand that as believers, we should not just listen or submit our hearts to bleak forecasts coming from the media. And the question, I suppose, is, is there another option? And the answer to that is yes, yes. As followers of Jesus, as well as being informed, there's nothing wrong with being informed, we've also got to turn our hearts to God's word and turn our hearts to God's word, not just for comfort or for faith, but also for instruction. Now, it's brilliant that we can go to the Bible for comfort when we need comfort. We can go to the Bible for faith when we need faith. But also, God wants us to turn to his word for instruction. And that's what we're going to be doing in the next few weeks. Now the good news is the Bible has got a lot to say about handling our finances and how we should operate handling our finances, not just in times of famine, but in any time. I'm so glad that the word of God gives us clear instruction concerning how as believers we can handle our finances. Aren't you glad about that? But God didn't leave that subject out but also the Bible speaks a lot about times of famine so what we're going to do the next three weeks we're going to look at three specific topics regarding how we handle our finances and I'm asking you not to shut off but to lean forwards all right Now, I know that sometimes when people begin to speak about money from a stage or resource, some people find that delightful, other people get offended. There's a number of responses that people have when we start talking about our finances. But I want you to brush off any preconceived ideas and lean in. Make sure you're around this week, next week, and the week after. Because I really believe that God wants to give us stable ground beneath our feet when it comes to the finances of our life. So we're going to be looking the next three Sundays. Today we're looking at good stewardship, being good stewards. Next week we're going to look at the subject of tithing. What is it to tithe? What is the tithe? What does the tithe do in a person's life? And then the final week we're going to look at giving. How we can all live a life of sowing and reaping. And in times where there's famine forecasts, that's the time that we've all got to make sure that we've got seed in the soil somewhere. But we're allowing God to do stuff through how we're handling our resources. Now, today I want to start by looking at um, God's kingdom. Because if we're going to teach on kingdom economy, we've got to understand, firstly, the kingdom that we now belong to. Because there's an economy that comes with a household, every household here today... You have a household economy. It's the way that you handle money. It's what you value with your money. Even a nation like Great Britain has an economy. That's what we see the treasurer dealing with, where they speak about how we choose as a nation to handle and regard finances. Now, the kingdom of God has an economy and it represents the way that God would have us as his people to be handling our finances. So before we can talk about finances or economy, we've got to take a moment to establish that our lives are now a part of the kingdom of God. Amen? Now the kingdom of God isn't something you go to when you die one day. The kingdom of God is present here right now. Jesus said the kingdom is among you. The kingdom is in you which means right now there's a kingdom that we belong to if you're a follower of Jesus that's different to the kingdom of this world all of us this morning are located in Great Britain the United Kingdom that's where we are physically today we're in the United Kingdom but the reality is our lives today belong to a greater kingdom can you say amen Our lives today belong to a greater kingdom whose king is Jesus. Now, we've got to understand that one of the key meanings of kingdom is simply rule and reign. When you say kingdom, what you mean is rule and reign. Now, in England, we have a queen and we've had kings. And we've understood that, you know, especially in the days of Henry VIII and some of the older kings, they had rule and reign. And if you were a citizen of the kingdom, your life was to live true to the rule and reign of the king. All right, we understand that, especially if you've been born and raised in England. We understand a monarchy. Where America understands a president, we understand a monarchy. Now, what we've got to decide in our hearts to do <clears throat> is not just say we belong to the kingdom of God, but allow the ways or the rule and the reign. Of that kingdom to affect the way we live. Now, it's a very cheap statement and an easy statement to say, Oh, I'm a part of a kingdom of God. Hey, I'm a part of a kingdom of God. But the reality is, God doesn't want you to be a part alone. He wants you to be a citizen and a subject of his kingdom, not when you die and you go to heaven, but right here, right now. So, in many ways, we're all dual citizens today. We live, in Britain. We live in Great Britain, United Kingdom. But our lives are citizens of his kingdom. Now, what we need to do is understand that we're to look to the ways of his kingdom for how we should lead or live out our lives, even when it comes to how we handle our resources. So Colossians 1.13 says, we have been taken from the kingdom of darkness And we have been brought into the kingdom of the son of his love. That means that we are kingdom people today. We have a king. We're a part of a kingdom. And what we're looking to do is say, Lord, I don't know what they're saying in the world, but I choose to handle my finances as every part of my life according to your kingdom way of living. A great example of this I believe it's found in the story of a prodigal child or the parable of a prodigal son. Because we've all heard the story of a prodigal son, the child that was in his father's house, had that deceptive thought, left his father's house, and it says he went off to a far off or a wayward place. Soon he became broke, he became destitute, and he returned to his father's house or his father's kingdom. Now, you say, well, what's that got to do with finances? Quite a lot, really, because it displays for us two kingdoms present at once. Now, we know that the the prodigal son started his journey in the father's kingdom, in the father's kingdom. He left the father's kingdom or the father's house to go to a far-off place that wasn't the father's kingdom. Now, it's amazing when you look at the story of the prodigal son. In the father's house and in the father's kingdom, he wants for nothing. He lacks nothing. He's got everything that he needs. He has an abundance to do what he needs to do. His life is cared for and taken and looked after. But when he leaves the father's house, remember he says to his dad, give me half of my inheritance And he leaves the father's house. It's not long before you read in the story that he'd lost everything. Everything that he'd lost or he'd brought from the father's house, he'd lost. He began to eat pig food. You know the story of a prodigal child. He was eating pig food and he was delighting to go back to his father's kingdom where he could be treated as a servant. And the story returns that he goes back to his father's house And instantly he moves from lack and not enough to having everything he needs again. I believe there's a beautiful picture here of the Father's kingdom where when we live under the rule and reign of God, when we say, I'm going to live God's way, we experience his blessing, we experience his provision, we experience his goodness. But also that far off or wayward place really, to me, in many ways, represents the financial system of this world. Because the financial system of this world will take everything from you. It will strip from you what you own. It has a desire to strip from you. The spirit of the financial structure of this world is very much take from you. That's why we decide that though we live in the world... We see ourselves as citizens of his kingdom. That we're born again into the Father's kingdom and he's the provider of our life. He's the one who makes sure that we have what we need but we also need to make sure that we're living true. Watch me. We're living true to the ways of God's kingdom. Not just praying gimme prayers. We're living true to the ways of God's kingdom We're not living by the old ways of an unsaved, ungodly financial system, expecting God to bless us when we don't live true to how his Bible or his word instructs us that we should. Now, I've got three honest questions for you, because once we establish kingdom, then we can begin to talk about good stewardship. It starts with us now seeing our lives as a part of God's kingdom, and God's kingdom ways for how we handling our finances become the ways that we choose. We no longer live like we're wayward. We no longer live solely by a worldly financial system, but we look to God for our wisdom. Here's three honest questions when it comes to good stewardship. Are you ready? I'm not looking for an answer back. They're just good honest questions. Do you see yourself as an owner or a steward of your stuff? Good question, eh? Do you see yourself as an owner or a steward of your stuff? Now, the worldly financial system would say that you're an owner, but the kingdom of God says that you're a steward. Now, I'm only teaching you what's in the Bible. If you've been raised under a financial teaching of this world, you've been taught that everything you have is yours. You're an owner of what you've got. You're an owner of your stuff. Yet the Bible says, actually, you're a steward. Here's a number two question. If that first one didn't irritate you enough, here's number two. Whose money and resource actually is it? Told you they were good, honest questions. The stuff in your life, the resources in your life. Whose money and resource actually is it? And number three, this is a good question. What would you have without God and his ability? So the first two questions talk about, do you own your stuff? Are you a steward of your stuff? The final question says, What have you got in your life right now that God didn't give you or give you the ability to have? Now, I want to read a passage of scripture from Deuteronomy chapter 8. It's a large passage of scripture, but I really believe it's relevant to us today when we consider our finances, our resources, our homes, the stuff that God's blessed us with. Now, in Deuteronomy 8, it's speaking to the children of Israel, and they'd known God carry them through lack years. The children of Israel would sing God lead them through the wilderness. They'd sing God's goodness, they'd sing God's provision, they'd lived manna life. Now, listen to what it says in Deuteronomy, because it answers those three questions. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land that he's given you. So what's that saying? When you're blessed, when you have provision, bless the Lord and praise the Lord for what he's given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, his ways, his decrees that he gives us this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds grow and your flocks get big, your silver and gold increase, and everything you have is multiplied, then your heart could become proud. And you could forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and lack and out of a place of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, the thirsty, waterless land with all of its snakes and hardships. Verse 16. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known. He did it to humble and test you. At the end, it might go well with you. This is the point I want to make in verse 17. You may say to yourself, it was my power and my strength and my ability or my hands that have produced the wealth that's in my life. But remember the Lord your God... For it it is he who gives you ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to his ancestors as it is today. So what's God saying? He wants to bless you. He wants to multiply you. It's the plan of God for multiplication in your life. But what God's saying is when you come to a place of strength... When you come to a place where you have enough, when you come to a place where you have enough finances for your life, don't get a proud heart and convince yourself that you created that wealth outside of God's assistance. He says, remember, it's God who gives you the ability to gain wealth. Now, this is important because I've seen people succeed in business, but the success caused them to forget who was causing them to prosper. Now, think about it. He gives you the strength. He gives you if, you, if you're a manual worker, he gives you the strength. If you're a bit of a genius, he gave you the genius. If you say, well, I don't fit any of those categories, how about this one? He gave you breath. Today, we live because God gives us the ability to live. He gives us the breath to live. Today, we can succeed in the world financially. We can know strength, not famine, because the ability of God is available to us. But God just says, don't forget who I am in all of this. So the truth is, We are stewards of what God has given and entrusted to us. Therefore, as believers, kingdom people, we can't think like the world thinks. It's mine. I got this for myself. It was my strength. It was my ability. It's up to me with what I do. It's all mine. That's a worldly way of thinking. Instead, the Bible says we should now be kingdom people who understand that it's the blessing of God on our lives, even what nation we were born in, what household we were born in, the strength and the ability for each and every one of us. That's the blessing of God in and over your life. Ah, well, I'm a self-made man. Well, the first issue with that is you always worship the one who makes you. The second is, you wouldn't really be that successful if God took his ingredients away. Come on, God wants us to walk with a consciousness that he blesses us, but he doesn't want us trapped with an owner mentality, but he wants us to see our lives as stewards. Now a couple of verses, there's a lot in the notes if you go and study those. <clears> 1 <throat> Peter chapter 4, verse 10. It says, use the grace of God that's been shown to you, use the ability that God has given you to serve others as stewards. So what's that teaching us in 1 Peter? However God has blessed you, whatever grace or ability God has given you, don't lock it in a cellar with yourself, but be a steward Bringing blessing and ability into the lives of others. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 2 says, stewards must show themselves faithful over what has been entrusted to them. Now again, we've got these two kingdoms in conflict We've got the kingdom of this world that says you're responsible for your increase. You're responsible for the blessing of your life. Everything you own is because of you. Now you've got to take care of number one. That's the teaching of this world. But the teaching of the kingdom of God says you have nothing that God didn't bless you with. God wants you blessed, but he gives you blessing on your life Not so that you can draw a circle around your life and be blessed, but that your life can also be a blessing and bring breakthrough, ability, resource, and help into the lives of others, whether they're saved or unsaved. Now what we see here is again this thing that I call original design, Genesis 1.28. If we want to know God's plan for us, we go to when he first made man, right? Now, when you go to Genesis chapter 128, you see God make man in his image and in his likeness. And then God takes man and positions him in the garden to rule over and take care of everything that belongs to him. We need to understand that when we're born again, we're made brand new, but God positions us in life no longer to be self-absorbed or self-serving, but to see the blessing of the things God has given us in our life as resources that are no longer ours, but we're stewards of them. Everybody good? I know it's warm in here. You good? Now Jesus also taught a lot on these parables, on good and bad stewardship. Again, if you're making notes, Luke 16 verses 1 to 13, he talks about bad stewardship and handling wealth. Jesus wasn't scared to talk about people and their money. Matthew 25 verses 14 to 30 is that incredible teaching of God entrusting talents to people. We're all familiar with that one. But God has this parable where he says, a man goes off on a journey and entrusts talents to people. But then he comes back after a short while and says to the people, what did you do with what I entrusted you with? And each of them had to give an account of what they'd done with what God had entrusted them with. When we live like stewards, we no longer see the things in our world as ours, though they are, but we see ourselves now as stewards over the things that belong to God, because if we didn't have God, we wouldn't have the ability he brings in to our life. Now I'm going to get on to different subjects next week, but we're just laying a foundation today. Why do we believe in kingdom economy? Because we're kingdom people. Where does kingdom economy start? By seeing ourselves as stewards of the things that God has given us. No longer mere owners. Now as stewards, we see ourselves now being given the responsibility by God over the things to do with our life. But also, I believe, over the things to do with his church. Because again, you could say, all right, well, I'm going to be a steward over the things that God's given me and check that I'm okay. Well, that's not much better off than what you were before as an owner. What God wants us to do is be a people that says, Lord, I no longer see myself as the owner of my things, but a steward over the things that you have given me and entrusted to me so that my life is blessed but also I have the ability to bless others but also I have the ability to steward your church you see every one of us have a responsibility for God's church what's one of the names for God's church in the Bible it's the bride of Christ It's the bride of Christ. Now, I'm going to look at this a little bit more next week, but do we know that when we live to take care of the church, we're actually saying, God, I'm looking after your bride? Interesting, eh? Every time you serve, every time you give, every time you steward to make God's house better and stronger, what you're doing at the same time is you're saying, God, God, I'm not going to leave your bride destitute. I'm not going to leave your bride wanting. Now imagine with me for a moment, I was called off to go and do something. Imagine I was a really wealthy um, businessman and I was called to go off somewhere and do business. And I, I gathered a few people and I said, hey, I'm leaving you enough finances, 90% for you, for you to take care of anything you need. You'd say, well, that's rather generous of you, isn't it? But then I turned around and I said, but I have one request. I want you to use 10% to take care of my wife. I want you to take care of my wife and my children. With just 10%, 90 is yours. That's a good deal. It's better than what the tax office is offering you. But imagine if I came back from being on business and my wife was starving... My kids didn't have any new clothes. They had holes in their clothes, and I found them on the street begging, will you help me? As a businessman, I'd have an issue with that. I'd say, I gave you 90%. Why could you not take care of my bride? We need to understand that we have a stewardship not only over our lives, but also over the bride of Christ, which is the church. That we need to be people that have good stewardship in our hearts regarding making sure the church is as strong as it can be. Now, I suppose one of the key thoughts that makes a person an owner or a steward could be as simple as this. Do you have closed hands of an owner? It's mine. It's mine. I do what I want with it. It's mine. It's mine. It's up to me what I do with it. It's mine. Do we have the closed hands of an owner? Or do we have the open hands of a steward? Lord, even though it's mine, it's yours. Show me what you want to do with it. Do we have the closed hands of a self-made owner? It's mine. I worked hard. This was my inheritance. It's all mine. Or do we have the open hands of a steward? Lord, it may be in my life and it may be in my account, but every good thing in my life from the breath I breathe to the ability I have, it comes from you and I acknowledge you as the one who gives me everything and gives me the ability to do the things I do. So the stuff in my life is no longer mine. I'm a steward of it. So help me to use what you've blessed me with to make sure others are taken care of. Also, there's an old saying that I used to always love, and it used to say this, if he can get it through us, he'll get it to us. See, some people don't experience the flow of God's blessing it's because their hands are jammed. Because God knows if he gives them more, they're going to keep it to themselves. But when God finds somebody with the open hands of a steward God says, I'm able to bring bread to your life for you and your household. But I also want to bring finances and resources through your life for the benefit of others. Isn't that incredible? God's looking for some postmen. He gives us bread to eat. But he also gives us finances to meet the needs in other people's lives. Here's three things I believe we were never meant to do with money. Are you ready? Number one, we were never to abuse it or waste it. You see, if you're an owner, it doesn't matter. You can abuse it or waste it because it's it's yours, right? But when you're a steward, you suddenly realize, I can't abuse or waste what belongs to another person. Number two, I don't believe that finances is to be stored through fear or hoarded through terror. Now I'm not against investment, I'm not against pensions, I'm not against some of the wisdom of the world for taking care of your tomorrows, I'm really not against any of that, but I do believe that sometimes people don't invest, they hoard, because they're scared that they will not have enough for tomorrow. God doesn't want you to hoard through fear. He wants you to live and walk by faith. And number three, it's never to be worshipped or served. Money is to be used for the purposes of God. Money is given to take care of us in this life and to take care of others. But sadly, I'm sure you've met people that have done this also, To some people it becomes a master, it becomes something that they worship, it becomes something that they put their trust in rather than God. Listen, don't experience a Wall Street crash to relocate your trust from what you own to God. We need to understand that God blesses us, but we should never worship money, we should never serve money. That's the way they live in the far-off kingdom. In the Father's kingdom, we worship God and we serve God and we use the things he's blessed us with to bless others and to establish what he wants to do on the earth. Now, Jesus warned about this statement and he spoke about it being called mammon in Matthew 6. Listen to what Jesus says about loving and serving money. No one can serve two masters, either you will hate one or love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. That's pretty extreme, isn't it? Hate and love, despise and devotion. He said, you're either going to hate one and love the other, or you're going to despise one and be devoted to the other. What was God speaking of? What was Jesus speaking of? He wasn't speaking about money. He was speaking about the love of money. You see, when you look at the word mammon, it basically means the spirit that loves, adores, and serves money. Jesus wasn't talking about having money. I don't believe that God's against anyone having money. I believe that money is neutral. Money's neutral. I can remember once... Somebody in Gina's church jumping up and prophetically announcing money is evil, money is evil, money is evil. I'm so glad that Gina's pastor was brave enough to get up and correct that. He said the Bible doesn't say that money is evil. It says in 1 Timothy 6.10 that the love of money, the love of money, the love of money is the root of all evil. Money isn't evil, it serves the purpose of the hands that it's in. So if money is in the hands of the selfish, it serves self. If money is in the hands of the generous, others are blessed. Put a thousand pounds in the hands of a missionary and it will touch villages and nations. Take the same money and put it in the hands of a drug dealer And you'll kill people that shouldn't have died. Money is an evil. The love of money is the root or the beginning of all manners of evils. That's why God wants us to be stewards. He wants to be able to entrust us with wealth and finances and resources. So that when our hands are open... The money he entrusts us with, the stuff he entrusts us with, does good on the earth. Does good on the earth, not harm. Does that make sense? All right. You're kind of quiet today. I don't know if it's the heat or the subject. I don't know. <clears throat> so Jesus says, you can't serve the spirit of loving money and serve me because I want to bring finance through your life, not just for you, but for the benefit of others. Now, we need to understand the purpose of money and resource. It's to be used to meet your needs, number one. That's God's goodness and grace over your life. But also to meet the needs of others. You see, somebody that's got the closed hands of an owner... Doesn't see life beyond themselves, but somebody that's got the open hands of a steward says, "Lord, trust me with finances. Trust me with more ability. Trust me, Father, with more stuff, and see that stuff come through my life to bless others also." Come on, if we're gonna survive. A financial crisis. If we're going to navigate successfully through something that the economist says is a financial crash, we've got a purpose that we're not going to live by the same rules that a world that's broken is living by. But we're going to see ourselves as citizens of the kingdom of God where Jesus is our king and his kingdom rule and reign is the way that we choose to live. And in that rule and reign, we declare we are stewards over the things that God has blessed and entrusted us with. We're no longer owners. Guys, I'm teaching you how to navigate a financial crisis successfully. This stuff works. Before we look at tithing, sowing and reaping, we've got to establish whose stuff. Is it? And I hope your answer is the same as mine. Lord, it's yours. Thank you for entrusting it to me and let me be blessed by it. But as Adam was positioned in the garden to manage what belonged to you, so you have positioned me and blessed me and given me ability in this life. But it's not just about me now we're talking about money today but we could talk about strength couldn't we we could talk about serving on teams in church you heard Annie she got up and said we need people to give us help we need people just to come and serve whether it's money or whether it's serving with the energy that God's given us the fact remains the same we are stewards over the blessing of God in our lives all right, I'm bringing this in for a landing right now, all right? <clears throat> now, stewardship, good stewardship, I believe has a natural dimension and also a spiritual one. Now, we've got, we got some men and ladies in this house that handle finances, and you're going to like this bit because it's not just spiritual and praying. It's about handling your finances correctly. If Wayne was here, he'd give a big amen. He's a, he's a massive... Uh, Uh, fan of this and, and good at it now let's look at some natural things if we're going to be good stewards of what God's entrusted to us number one we need to check there's no waste in our lives and budgets we can't just say God bless me God bless me God bless me we need to look at our budgets and our lives and say is there any waste in my life Am I giving money or losing money to things that are just wasteful? Coming into a time that the economists are saying is a financial downturn, I'm going to look through my accounts and check that I'm not wasting what I already have. Are my budgets good? Number two, am I cutting back where I need to to make sure that I have what I need and not what I want? You say, well, that's not very spiritual. No, but it's very practical and very important. Because we can't just come to God and say, Lord, give me, give me, I need, give me. If there's huge holes in our bucket that are causing what he blesses us with to be lost from our life. So number one, check there's no waste in your lives and in your budgets. Number two, cut back where you need to um, so that you have what you need, not what you want. Now, these are sometimes what we would call first world problems. You mean I can't have Costa every morning? Well, if you haven't got enough money at the end of the week, no, I'm sorry to break that to you. But I've always had three cars, but there's only one of you. But I just need God to break through financially. But I just love going to the theatre every weekend. Maybe you need to stop going to the theatre every weekend. As well as experiencing God's blessing, sometimes the wisdom of God comes to us and says, look at your budgets, man. Look at your budgets. Have you got more going out than you do coming in? Then stop Talk to somebody. Get some advice. Even before we pray and release a spiritual dynamic. Stop if you've got more money going out each month then what is coming in, you need to not just pray, you need to stop and you need to look at what spending you can't have now, what things you need to rearrange, what budgets you need to relook at. Is this okay? I know it's practical, but it's really important because when we do what we can do, God does what he does best. So as we approach what they're saying is a financial crisis. I'm not believing for that in my world or in yours. I am looking at how the word, the word of God causes me to navigate my life. And it starts with good stewardship. And then when we've looked at our budgets, we've looked at our incomings and our outgoings, and I mean it, talk to somebody. If you're not good at this stuff, talk to somebody. Talk to somebody who understands budgets and finances because it's amazing sometimes when you sit with somebody you find incredible wastage in your life but you didn't even see it you didn't see it going out of your life until someone says what about this and then spiritually it's about recognizing like I said that we are managing and taking care of what he has entrusted us with We're acknowledging him in all of our ways and including the way that he has taught us to live in our plans for living. Now, I wanted to lay a foundation this week because next week I'm going to talk about tithing. Not in a religious way, in an exciting way. The week after, we're going to look at what is it to live a life of sowing and reaping? Now, your soul may say to you right now, well, I'm going to miss next week, then. No, no, don't. Listen to your spirit and get here. Because I really believe today, next week, the week after, God will give us everything we need to successfully navigate what the world is fearing. But we've got to make sure we know the way that God's kingdom economy works and then we're choosing to apply it to our lives amen somebody get something today I know it wasn't the most dynamic sweaty candy floss popcorn type message but I know there's a lot of people who need to hear this we are stewards when we're stewards you know one thing I like about being a, a, a steward that if I'm an owner if there's debt in my life it's my debt Oh, but if I'm a steward and there's debt in my life, I say, what are you going to do about your debts? I mean, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. But that also works the other way. Listen, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm sorry, this is an unusual message. I just really feel strong about us teaching this at this time. Please come back and see us again. We're not a church that always talks about money, but we're also a church that's not scared to talk about the things we need to talk about. But I want us to pray a prayer today where we just acknowledge Jesus Christ on a cross dying for our sins and how every person can experience salvation through faith in him. Let's just pray this prayer together as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for me. I place my faith in him today And I thank you that I'm saved as I do. I give you my life, Jesus, and ask you to come into mine. Amen. Just my every eyes closed, every heads bowed, just in these closing moments. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, and you say, I want to give my life to Jesus, I don't understand a lot about today, but I know that I need Jesus. I prayed that prayer for me today. I'm going to ask you when I count to three, just to lift your hands up. One. Two, three. Anybody today, and you just want to give your life to Jesus in this place? It's going to wait a couple of moments. Everybody know where we're heading. Everybody loving Jesus. Father, I just speak blessing upon this house today, and the blessing upon these people. Father, teach us this week. Continue to teach us, Holy Spirit, how we're to live as stewards. And how we can experience your plans for every section of our life as we do. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Have a great week and we'll see you next week for church.